Today, we sit down with Johnny Warren medalist Marcos Flores and talk about his life in Argentina, his move to Australia, Travis Dodd, making the world a better place through football, and how the MPL measures against other leagues. I don't want to waste another minute. Let's kick off this very special interview on the Semi-Pro Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, I am sitting at the uh, Adelaide City Training Ground out at Oakton. Oakton. With one of my all-time favourite footballers, actually. Thank you very much. Marcos Flores has been kind enough to take some time out of his Adelaide City playing career now to have a bit of a chat with us. And we've done a couple of interviews on the podcast, but I dare say this is one that's probably got the the most depth of a professional and semi-professional view to it. So, Marcos... Welcome, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, thank you for inviting me, and, and, and a big warm hugs to everyone who listens to you. Oh, thank you very much. Um, look, I just sort of want to kick it off with a little bit of a, those are those people who don't know a little bit about your, your background and, and sort of how you found yourself in Australia, um, you know, growing up, Argentina, mm-hmm. Reconquista. Yep. What was uh, what was football like there? What was growing up as a as a kid there, and what was the football culture like? And, and sort of how is that different to Australia? Well, in, in Argentina, William, we when you born, and if you are a boy, they give you a soccer ball. If you are a girl, they give you a doll. Yeah, it's quite um, simple. Um, as a young kid who was growing up in Reconquista, which is a city where Batistuta born. Mm. Um, is well famous for that because Batistuta for us is a hero, uh, is a maximum top top, uh, top scorer. Which now Lionel Messi break, he broke his record. He was really upset. But um, growing up, he was my idol. Maradona was my idol, and I have a soccer ball in my backyard. Uh, lucky to have a sister a year and a half younger than me. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> She was uh, the goalkeeper? She was a goalkeeper, <laughs> she was a defender, she was a teammate, she was a coach, she was everything, journalist. I met her to play with me and until she started recognizing that could say no to... <laughs> she could say no. So when she learned how to say no, I started paying her. <laughs> so I was asking money to, of, to my father to give to my sister so she could play with me. Um... And yeah, I mean, uh, like every single kid in Argentina, loving the game, I'm, I'm spending a lot of hours in the backyard. Mm. Was it purely passion? You know, there was a, was there ever a point as a kid where you're like, you know, you see um, these heroes of yours running around at the highest level and, and you're like, I, this is my living of, of football or was it at this stage just a, a passion? It was just a, it was a joy, you know. Mm. I was quite um, a, a, a creative kid that got to the point that with 12 years old, I organized a tournament under 12 tournament by myself with 12 years old. So I don't know if that makes sense. I got, oh, totally. I, I actually went to every single school inviting kids to play. Yeah. See, the devious side of me goes, I would do that, but I would pick kids that are worse than me so I could win the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your intentions were far more I wanted awesome to than mine. Challenge, I, want to, yeah. I wanted to challenge, so I asked one dollar for every single kid. So with this dollar, we bought a trophy. That's great. And, and, I bought, and I told my team, 
to my friends in school. I said, guys, uh, do you have any white white jersey, white top? I said, oh, well, I will have black, okay? Everyone bring the black, gave it to me. My sister is going to paint the numbers. I paint the numbers to everyone. We bought uh, fireworks. We bought things to make it a professional when I was 12 years That's old. Right. So imagine the quite of how obsessed I was with the game. And I wanted to everyone around to, to feel that that energy also. But end of the day, 13, 14, you're growing up and they ask you what you want to be, what you want to become when you when you become an adult. Um, and I and I had a, as a mentor, uh, as, a, as, as a mirror, uh, my father. My father was mm. a doctor. I was a doctor. So I said to my father, Daddy, I wanted to be a doctor. What do you want? I said, oh, okay, why? Said because look, how healthy life. You got a beautiful car. You got a beautiful house. You got opportunities. I said, oh, that's the wrong answer, mate. Because yeah. you want to do it for money. You need to do the things that you that you actually love. Mm-hmm. I said, but the only thing that I love is football. And he said, okay, you can actually pursue that dream. And what about if I fail? You study. Mm-hmm. So that quite. My father was telling me, hey, buddy, go and pursue your dream. When you get to that point that you don't know what to do. But everyone in my town were saying, Marcus, do well playing football. He does. Yeah. He, he play well. But I didn't thought that I could actually reach a different level. I didn't thought about it. Did you go into it with a little bit of a, I mean, that's a beautiful environment to be in where, you know, so I dare say there's probably not many people in the world who would approach their parents and say, I want to be a doctor, and they'd be like, no, you should be a footballer. Yeah. You know, it's a really beautifully supportive environment mm-hmm. to be in. Was there was there a point where there were, it, it sort of lifted a bit of a weight off you where you went, you know, if I'm going to have the support, I'm, I'm going to chase this down. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to pursue this as a career. And this is a crazy thing because I actually, when my father told me this, I said, okay, I'm going to go on trial. Mm-hmm. So I went on trial, they accept me. And they said, okay, Marcus, now you need to lift with 35 kids in the camp under, under the stands. So they have, you know, the stands, all the yeah. stadiums in Argentina. Yeah. They used to put kids to live in the stadium. So that conditions were really, really, really low. Yeah. The conditions of everything, beds, conditions of food, conditions of, is not Australian new development AOS. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Is five times worse. Do you think it made you, you know, starting out? Did it, do you think it made you a better hundred percent, hundred percent? Because I, I, I learned values. I learned to be resilient. I learned mm. to be, and actually, I was a spoiled kid. Mm. I was. I had in my locker room, in my in my locker room, in my bedroom, I have a TV, a video cassette. You know, mm. I had uh, computers when in nineties they they came up. Mm. There were three in my school and one in my house, man. <laughs> so I had that computer. And you were and, taken from that into and a And from very, that to, to yeah. travel six hours to be in that level, in that environment that was only pursuing dream, competing with people mm-hmm. that was sleeping next to you, you know, with in the same room with six kids. And then changing. Then six months later, you can see the four kids are leaving and new kids are coming and you stay there. Yeah. And you keep pushing, and it's more competition. It's all the time like this. That five years later, then my father said to me, Marcus, go and achieve your dream. Blah, blah, blah. He has uh, five years passed. 
goals in first division, drop, they drop me to the second, to reserves, from reserves, they, they drop me to under 16 mm. again, and so, f- football is crazy, so when that thing happened, father told me, do you want to study? Marcos Holland, I want, I got a question for you, I said, okay, well, do you want to give up and study? When I was 18 years old, I said, hold on, I, six months ago, applied professional, scored a goal and now things are not going on I'm just wondering if you want to give up right now you can do it is that my father was inviting me to quit a football career or was actually telling me come on mate yeah. you can do it instead of saying to me you need you to do, do it, it you yeah. should do it it's, it's was, you telling yourself that you then should do it. he gave me the opportunity to follow my dream but then he rested that he wondered that question that makes me to push harder without telling me. Mm. He said, hey, you got an opportunity to do another thing, mate. It's not the end of the world. I said, daddy, I'm fine. I'm just wondering. That is the option yeah. as a parent. So he didn't, I didn't become a footballer because uh, in South America, we don't have a level in Australia. No, 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 mate. Because I have, I drove, I learned how to drive in a Mercedes Benz. I come from that seat, from that family. Yeah. And maybe that is why I was able to, to be, to be successful in Australia. Maybe because I was prepared yeah. in terms of values, in terms of learning the language as quick as possible, yeah. in terms of a study, in terms of thinking, in terms of what can I do better, become a team player and, and, and thousand things, you know? Yeah, there's, there's many things we'll talk about, you know, later on about your sort of your mentality outside of football. Even, mm-hmm. you know, I think we saw it in that setting up a competition for you and your yeah. friends, you know, it shows you a very positive attitude mm-hmm. towards football. But I mean, going through that sort of development, that early part of your career where, you know, you probably, you know, I think at this stage it's a, no, a pretty normal trajectory of football. You know, you, you made a decision early on to take your football pretty seriously. You went through academies, you worked really hard. You, you know, you got professional contracts. You mm-hmm. played, you scored. I think you scored in your yeah. first first yeah. game first for your game. professional club. You know, that's yeah. an amazing sort of thing to do in your yeah. first game. And yeah. fast forward a bit, you know, I don't know why, as a footballer, you would come to Australia. You know, it's me neither. It's a really interesting one that I sort of want to get your mentality on. You know, like were there, was it a, a, a lot of footballers that I think I've sort of spoken to, um, particularly in Australia, mostly WA in particular, it's British backpackers who go, I can play yeah. Sunday league football yeah. and I want to go live in the sun for six months. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Argentina's got everything that you could ever want for. So why, why look further abroad to just a market that is just such a, it's a, a smaller footballing I was the market. only person that didn't want to come. I didn't want to come to Australia. Yeah. And I'm opening, uh, and I, I, I'm open about it. Yeah. I didn't want to come to Australia in the football-wise because I knew there were only nine teams mm. back in the day. Or yeah. eight teams, actually, because, yeah. you know, Queensland had... They were, trying, they were trialing expansion around that era. Yeah. yeah I think it was the core eight teams. Eight, nine teams. So I knew, I Googled it, and I didn't find in these eight teams any Argentinians, so that freaked me out. Yeah. Because I was thinking, how that is possible that even second division in Iraq, yeah. there is a, there is an Argentinian, and in Australia doesn't exist. So I couldn't, I couldn't actually figure out what was happening. And I was looking back in my life, 23 years old, playing in Chile, 
scored nine goals in first division in Chile. I was thinking I should have another opportunity to 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 actually keep performing in South America. So eventually I can make a move to Europe. You know when you actually find yeah love. yeah. Now my agents back in the day that I don't want to even name them because I tried to delete them out of my memory. <laughs> we don't need to bring them up. That's <laughs> it. They were so desperate for money that the only thing that they wanted was make a, a bigger contract in terms of money and take the 10% of that. Yeah, okay. So yeah? the way you played, they didn't care about it. Was they the didn't dollars care about it. Involved. Yeah. So they were actually showing me the quality of life in Australia. They were showing me the nice side of how beautiful is this country. But with 23 years old, I was completely focused of making my football career as stronger and challenging myself to, to forget about the economic side and let's keep, let's keep playing. They didn't give me another option, so they were delaying, saying, no, these ones don't want you, these oh, ones don't really? want you. And they just left Australia as the only option. Yeah. So when my agents told me, Marcos, is Australia or nothing? I have a chat with my father, with my mother, and I said, look, I think I'm going to go to Australia. And my family was like, Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Australia. Hopefully <laughs> Australia. And I and I actually said, Daddy, but you know what? I guess that universe, God, or whatever it is, want me in that country. And the first objective is to learn the language. So if I fail, I will actually have another tool yeah, to be successful in life. Yeah. I'm gonna go to Australia to learn le- to learn English. I will go to Australia to discover different culture. And if I fail, Daddy, I'm gonna give up football. He said, wow, 24 years old, 23, 24. So when I came to Adelaide, I was on the airport in Buenos Aires. I said goodbye to my mom. And I said, mommy, I'm going to be the best or nothing. Simple. That was my idea. Well, I wanted to do as best as I could. Not competing with everyone, not saying that I'm going to go there and I'm going to be successful. No, you can't. You can't guess that. Mm. But really, really, I knew that that year was going to be my really last year in professional football if I didn't make it. Do you think that intensity, I mean, spoiler alert for those of you listening, um, it's probably the most well-documented part of your career in Australia, but, you know, mm-hmm. that was a genuinely incredible stint that you had at Adelaide United. Yeah, and um, I was really know, lucky. Johnny Warren medalist, um, goals coming from midfield, the style of football that came across, mm-hmm. where you said before there were no Argentinian footballers playing in the A-League. I mean, after that, there was an influx of South American mm-hmm. footballers that, you know, probably put that on the back of your your shoulders as to sort of breaking the ice of that market. but. Yeah. Do you think it was that intensity of you sitting there telling yourself, I'm going to, I'm going to be I the best? I was committed. Yeah. I was really committed. Mm-hmm. Committed to the point that I, if I didn't have the tools from the coaching side of, of how the team was playing, mm-hmm. I used to have an hour of chat with Travis Dodd. Yeah. Thinking, Travis, how can I play you through ball? And Chad, and, and Travis was telling me, well, Marcos, look, I'm going to make a run. I said, what if, if I make this touch and you go? What if I play you the first three balls? We were talking before the game, how we're going to do 
against Melville Hard or Melville Victory in the first 10 minutes. I said, Travis, this, this one, this game, whatever, get the ball, go behind the first two and let's see what is happening next. Who was your manager at Adelaide United for that season again? Was it uh, uh, who brought me was Aurelio Wittmann. Yeah. But then he moved to the Socceroos, to, to the Young Socceroos yeah. and, and Rini Cullen. Rini Cullen, that was yeah. Um, was there a time there where, you know, like you said, you've got that core group, you know, Travis Dobb was a great leader of that club at that stage, but did you have the creative freedom in that team to just pretty much call the shots and say, yep, the, we know what the objective as a club is, but, you know, it was kind of up to the best players in the team to sort of craft out the, the, some of the... I was really lucky, look, I, I just, that's something that I love to teach, um, not to teach, sorry, I don't like to use that word, um, to advise players that from overseas who come to Australia, from Australians who go to overseas, mm. that in football, nothing, like in life, nothing comes perfect and easy as you want. Mm. You need to find a way to go through. That year with, with Rene Cullen was challenging for me because in the first round, Rene Cullen put me down saying that Carlos Hernandez was better than me, that, 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 that. we'll have a chat. So, I was feeling really disappointed, but with that pressure that I needed to perform. Mm. So I was really lucky to have the Travis Dodd, Sergio Van Dyke, and I can actually name you every single one of them mm. because they taught me how Australian football, how much I needed to work hard. They taught me to be strong. So the fitness coaches yeah. were for four months working on me. They taught me, uh, passion and love for the South Australian community that makes me go beyond the football club. So when that thing happened, I couldn't miss the pass, man. I was actually stopping the ball and Travis was running and Travis and threw ball here, threw ball over there. And oh, it the most beautiful, the most beautiful thing is that every through ball that I play, finishing goal. And that tells you a lot in the football, in the new football, that is all about transfer market. Oh, he has 25 assists. Oh, he has 37 goals. He should be a really good player. Mm. Yeah, but he's playing in the third division in Congo, mate. Yeah. Or the third division in Argentina. Or he's playing in the lowest division on the planet, but he has that 37 goals. From where? Mm. Check the 37 goals and tell me, maybe 15 were penalties. Mm. Maybe 17 were um, Caperin. Do, do you feel like this stint in Australia, you know, that sort of first... I mean, I'll, I'll actually combine the Adelaide United and the, the Melbourne victory sort of stint together as, as sort of one A-League move. Yep. Um, do you think that that was strong for your CV? Do you think you got the right statistics out of it? Yes and not. For example, after the Johnny Warrior medal, mm-hmm. no one, no one in Europe were wondering. Yeah. Why? Because South American players are judged by what you do in South America. Yeah, okay. When you go to Australia, they said, ah, it's too easy. But it's not too easy, mate. That is not. So, put me in the really good place in Asia. Yes, because Japan came. China was wondering. Korea, every single Asian in Australia was calling me to to take me to Asia. Mm. Everyone wanted to take me to Asia. But in terms of numbers, made with Travis Dodd, Sergio Van Dyke and Matthew Lecky, between three of them, they scored more than 40 goals. Between these three mm. guys, man. So that tells you that I add to that thing 10 goals, 
the wingers, Ramsey coming through, everyone, all the attackers were our weapons mm. to score goals in that club. But then you go to different clubs, for example, Melbourne Victory. <laughs> Melbourne Victory has scored four goals and one assist in 29 games. Did I forget? I forget how to play. I did I forget how to play football. I don't think so. I was playing a, a different role. Mm. So, I'm supposed to call you. The first day, he said to me, Marcos, your role here is to play the ball to Marco Rojas through and to his feet. And that is it. That's what you need to do. What about goals, flares? No, no, no. That is your role. We need to be a champion. Do it. Okay. Control the ball in the middle of the park through ball to Marco Rojas. Marco Rojas' feet. That was my job. Marco Rojas won the Johnny Warren. Do you, do you at that point feel like this is a point where, you know, you're at a situation like that and you go, you know what, I'm not going to get the best out of it at this club, but I'll continue playing 100%. until something comes up? Or, 100%. Or do you go, you know what, maybe this is a way for me to learn a different style of my play yeah. and, and sort of get I, the best out of a situation? A, a, loyal, a loyal and a professional player gives to the team whatever the coach requires. Mm-hmm. If the coach requires to you to defend more than others, you need to do that job. Until your last day. So I did it. I felt I handled all the pressure that everyone told me that I was not good enough, that I forgot how to play. Da, 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 da. I handled it. Mm-hmm. But end of the day, in a statistic, I play more through balls in Melbourne victory than in Adelaide. Mm. The only problem is that when I played that through ball, Marco Rojas was with Archie Thompson two against the goalkeeper. So Marco Rojas was squaring the ball to Archie Thompson. So Archie Thompson has finished that season with 12 goals and Marco Rojas 16 goals. And think like one assist uh, or three assists and one goal and myself four goals and one assist mm. in, tw- in 29 games. So that tells you a different way. But in terms of myself as a player, I pushed, I pushed, I pushed exactly the same how I did it in Adelaide United. The thing is, these guys, Travis Dodd and, 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 and Sergio and Sergio and Lecky, they finish every single one-on-one. So that gives me nine assists that everyone thought, wow, yeah. <laughs> is that amazing? Like you said before, every assist pretty much led to a goal. Yeah. That, that, that gives you a lot in terms of the eye. Mm. Whoever scored goals in Australia, which is, that is something that we need to do a review in NPL. Is that the best player who, who scored a goal in the last minute? Or you need to see if the six blocked every single touches and passed the ball all the time forward. Or you need to see how the central defender is actually well positioned and always winning the tackles. Do we analyze football how it should be? Or we only check in? I'm fighting whoever scored a goal or the assist or penalty is going to be the, the, the Johnny one. Yeah, I mean, you look at the stats as well to get collected. And, you know, we've been doing it in the review, review part of our episode. You know, it's it's still goals and assists. You mm-hmm. know, we, mm-hmm. we don't tend to see touches, you know, collected yeah. yet in NPL. So it's very difficult to, like you said, get that feel of who is that midfield master who's who breaking that, up. Yeah. Like, who's making those, you know, like, I mean, you can see it at Adelaide. Or lifting, is, or lifting know. two players on the side. For example, yeah. I can play my best football if I got a six like Isaiah Sanchez. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could actually play at a different level. Why? Because this guy controlled the ball and played all the time between lines. His accuracy is, is, is insane. Right. So they got players like Luis Darigo in the youth pro, in the youth development, which is a captain. Mm. He has the same style, which I'm really happy that you, Australia is developing a player like Isaiah Sanchez 
on, on, on their youth development. Yeah. Because one day, Isaiah Satcher will say, thank you very much. Mm. And players will come through. But come through with a purpose. Yeah. That the players should be, the six should be the guy who play between lines and control everything like Busquets. Busquets is not in the top 20 players in the, in the world for, for journalists. But he allows the top but for 20 coaches, to be in the top he's 20. He's a top yeah. five. Yeah. Yeah. For coaches. Mm. For coaches, you ask, what do you prefer? Um, Pogba or you prefer Griezmann or you prefer Busquets? And he will tell you. But then, now, in the TV, in, in, in magazines, are Griezmann top three. Oh, yeah. I think the particularly like what Not because they don't deserve, but football knowledge go beyond who is calling them. Yeah, we glorify the ones that do all the shiny things at the end, but, you know, I mean, one of my favourite, I'm a Liverpool supporter, one of my favourite players was Javier Mascherano. Yeah. Purely for just the motor that he had in midfield and he would just put his body on the line to break yeah, up play. Yeah, And yeah. then you have him playing yeah. alongside Xabi mm-hmm. Alonso. Yeah, yeah. One of the better passes of the ball I've ever seen. 100%. And it was so, Kante, Kante, the French oh, kid, the oh French guy. Well, anyway, we can talk ages about it. Um, we can. <laughs> I feel like at any point today I could talk for hours. I want to jump. So, from Australia into Asia, because like you said, you know, the stats probably dried up a little bit. Yep. It didn't reflect the sort of the, the play that you were having at Victory. It didn't really suit. I mean, yep. you, Asia then sort of was a thing that you went into. What what was that like? Because it was at a point where Asia was growing its football base, but it was really just splashing cash, I feel. Yeah. It, it hadn't got to the point of maturity or the, you know, seriousness where it was really just, you know, players were going over there for the yeah. end of career, big money. What was it like there, though? Because the, the setups of football are very different in Asia. Asia is made up of many diverse countries. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you moved to Adelaide and moved to Australia, you found a bit of a home in Australia because, yep. you know, it, it worked out it. very well for you. Yep. Uh, and then you sort of moved away again. And, and how did that sort of stack up? And how did you feel, you know, off the pitch as well as on the pitch? Yeah. Um, that move was especially the unlucky, unlucky... Um, Time, bad timing of myself coming to Australia. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say then? Because as an import, I was one of the youngest player import of the old time. I came with 24 years old. So yesterday I met, I met the GM, Michael Petrillo from Elbu yep. City, who was the guy who traveled to Chile to brought me to Adelaide. Same guy. He said, Marcos, you look so young. He said, I'm 33, Marcos. 33? Yeah. The problem was that when you brought me, I was too young. Mm. So I came with 24, 25 years old, 24, and I become a Johnny Warren medal with 24 years old, as a foreigner, not as an Australian. Mm. So with 24 years old, everyone wants me. was not the fact that I came to Australia with 29, 30, like everyone, yeah, yeah. and they decide to stay because they love the country, because the babies love it. I was... I was a single. I was a player who wanted to prove themselves. But now I wanted to stay in 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 Adelaide. Mm-hmm. I got two years contract, so I have one con- one year left. Mm-hmm. And I have the discussion with uh, Adelaide United, um, and they told me, "Look, Marcos, we're gonna change everything. Travis Dodd is leaving to Perth, yeah. you know. Matthew Lake is going to Germany. Mm-hmm. They were changing everything, and then." I said, look, I'm going to play for the same money. I'm going to stay, and I play for LA. And they wanted to extend my contract. But the intention to start my contract was a lot in the public side, but not in numbers, in numbers yeah. of how much you want to pay. So I was in the tricky situation where 
I was waiting to play for the same money. Another light got it that they needed to bring offers for me. So one day I received a call from Adelaide United tell me, Marcos, we loved, uh, we got a chance, we got a transfer for you to China. Would you like to go there? So the club was telling me that they quite agree the transfer between clubs because I couldn't go for free. Yeah. That was not a move that I fight and I said, I want to go, I want to go. Yeah. No, 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 no. They receive a transfer fee. So when they receive a transfer fee, they call me, you're going to get paid this. So if you say yes, everything is done. So I was on the phone, really, really disappointed. But in terms of money, making six times more. That's the thing. I mean, but I was disappointed. But I was 25. But this is the thing as well. There's no, um, there's no reasonable human being in the world where, like you said, six times. That's nothing to tip the nose at. I think football purists can sometimes be like, oh, they're just going there for the money. It's like, we'll put you in that situation for yeah, a contract. And, and an interesting, like, it was also an interesting time for Asian football. Like I said, like, I'm sure you see how that goes, but it's like, I don't think anyone would begrudge that move at all because it, it was the If right. you tell me that we keep the same team and I moved, <laughs> yeah, could be a different story. Yeah. I knew that the team was gone. Mm. And did, time, you feel, did you feel there was a vote of sort of no confidence there where the club, the club put the you club, out on the market? The club put a confidence on the coach and the coach thought that he was better to change everything. Okay. And that move was completely wrong from, from the head coach, Rene yeah. Cullen, to the point that he got sacked 12 yeah. rounds. Yeah. Um, and then Adelaide United finished in the second last on the bottom. So that tells you, is because Marco Flores, and I, no, 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 it's not Marco Flores, mate. Is Seven players that left. I mean, if we'd kept you and then we'd, you'd also played last night, I dare say, 100%. To extra time. No, well, but I, I could actually, if I, they could kept me in that time, I was going to be, I was going to be in the second last because one player doesn't make a team. Mm, no. You know what I mean? Players together are capable to do magic. And I think that this was my time in, in if there was, was magical if because we, I have this group of people, a, 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 have you met, have you seen better players going through running, running forward than Matthew Lake and Travis Dodd in A-League? It's quite difficult, mate, to actually demand that ball. They were demanding balls behind. They were not a player who never asked me to ball into the feet. And even like when Travis Dodd moved to Perth, he was still doing those runs for three to four years afterwards. And he played a grand final. Yeah. He did so do you see? So football is funny, mate. So obviously was a great move. In the, in the economic side for me mm. and for the club. What about because culture? I, was, was China good? Difficult. Like, did you, did you enjoy it? It was really difficult. It was really difficult for me because changing that, that environment that I had in Adelaide United to fighting for no relegation yeah, in okay. the middle of yeah. China was really difficult to handle. But, um, I enjoyed it. You know, China has a, a special culture that I learned a lot. Um, did you, you said when you moved to Australia, you had, you know, you said if it doesn't work out, I've at least learned a language. Did you try and, and learn Mandarin over there? Like, did, little bit is more difficult. It's very difficult. It's, yeah. it's, really, it's, a, it's a really difficult, but, um, uh, I tried to, the basic things, you know, to, to, to interact with players, but I can't, I can't say that I was spending time learning Mandarin. But yes, they, they, they counter how they behave, how they react, how they, I got into the real, real middle of China, so it was, was, was a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, there were a couple of other stints that you sort of had around the world. Yep. America was one. Yep. Um, I want to talk about one that didn't happen though. It was Europe. Mm-hmm. Never, never went into Europe. No. At, at what point did you sort of? Was it a conscious decision where you went, you know what, there's a bigger world of football outside of Europe? Uh, you know, Europe is kind of turning into a bit of a, a meat factory of football at the moment. It's very yeah. much a business over there, and it, some people are arguing now it lacks a little bit of passion. Was there a point where you made that decision, or did it just never when come When I about? took the flight from Argentina to Australia my first time, I knew that I was never, ever going to play in Europe again. Because I was jumping to the other side of the world where, as an Argentinian performing there, yeah. It was impossible for me to reach Europe. Yeah. I was actually giving up my dream to play in Europe at 24 when I came to Adelaide. Wow. Because it, it was that like that mentality? Can, if you're an Argentinian, you don't get play, you don't, not playing in Argentina, you, then that's it. Yeah, you know, if you play in the second division Argentina, mm-hmm. second division Argentina, and you do the same drill, the same performance that I did with Adelaide United, mm-hmm. you do it in, in in second division Argentina, you can go to AC Milan. You, you said, how? Hmm. Managers, coaches. It's a brand. Argentina is a, a brand. better brand than Australia. They think that if you perform there, it's a different. So from, it's a fabric in Argentina, Brazil. Uh, well, Argentina, Brazil. Then Chile. Mexico. Now United States. Yeah. Now you can go to United States and from United States go to Napoli. Now, can happen hmm. awkwardly, but before, no. Before you hit United States, see you later. Yeah, yeah. Retirement. If you now no, so when I actually make that move to Australia, I knew that I was never ever going to play in Europe. Do you regret it? No, no at all, man. No at all. The best thing that happens to me was coming to Australia. Lovely to hear. Yeah, because the best thing that happened to half of Australia was you coming here. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I was not a massive Adelaide United supporter, but mm. that season that came about, you know, like you said, you have Lecky. And Bruce Jatay was sort of in the team a little bit earlier than that. I think he, I'm not sure if he played with him, but he'd no. gone away just previously. But there was a lot of young talent coming through that team. And then for it to be solidified by you coming in and then the basis of the next five years, you know, we then brought in Kuluska. Mm-hmm. We then have Isais. You mm-hmm. know, that sort of, I felt like Australia went through a very big South American, you know, Cassio mm-hmm. was in the team as well. You know, mm-hmm. that big South American sort of flair mm-hmm. to it. And, you know, glad you made the decision of Australia instead of Europe. Was, was the best thing. Was the best thing. One of the, uh, uh, in the beginning, you know, when you think it's a mistake, mm. for one second you think, mm, uh, Robert, Fro- Robert Frost, I think it is, the guy who said that he find two, two, two ways in the bush and he took the less traveling mm-hmm. that couldn't see footprints and that makes a difference. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense that you can put it in better English, but... When actually you make decisions that no one goes to Australia with 24, buddy. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and then when I was here for all that issues that no one knows that I have a really bad agents mm. pushing me here and they asking me for the 40% of my contract. Crazy. Mm. And sending me emails that threatening me. Crazy thing. Uh, when Adelaide United already paid them, they were still asking me the money. It was crazy. I got through this, and then I thought, wow, Australia improved me in the fitness way. Mm-hmm. If I could never, for example, in my opinion, if I could never come to Australia, I was never, ever going to play 
a season making ten assists because I was weak. Yeah, I was really weak. Because uh, uh, I think a lot of we, we sometimes hear the other side of it, which is players come here and they go, football ruined my skill in, in Australia because you have to bulk up, you have to be stronger, you, you yeah. lose a little bit of that technical skill because yeah. you're you're spending so much time, you know being stronger and more And I physical. need it so much. Yeah. You know, I always have coaches in South America that they used to tell me, you need to, we need to do a preciso with Marcos, whatever, you know, to to build himself. But then when they shamble a little bit in the games and they need a talent, they put you. They don't care yeah, about, okay. it's not timing. Yeah. So, we know, I was playing three games, one injured. One, 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 four games and then a game. And then drop into reserves, and then fighting in reserves. Everything was yeah. uh, was. But then when I came to Australia, in that year, I didn't have any issues. Part of one thing or whatever it was, but I played through, and I was getting stronger, stronger, stronger. When I played in Melbourne Victory, I didn't have any one injured. So yeah. in Australia, my fitness improved so much with the core power, with that knowledge that goes on fitness or goes on. That makes me makes me actually perform, um, makes me a better person, makes me a better. Um, I, I increase my capacities, uh, speaking different language, having friends all around the world. Yeah. That was the best decision. I was the best part of the job is it's a global sport, and so you can take it anywhere. Mm-hmm. You, you, the experiences you get out of it are amazing. I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here with you today if I didn't go to the World Cup and mm-hmm. meet Branson, my co-host. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of those things where I think it is a truly global sport. And it just connects people. You can go anywhere in the world. You can sit and watch a game on a TV or on a ground. You can make friends. Yeah, it's true. That sort of part of your career, coming to Adelaide City. Yeah. This is the sort of bit that I want to delve into that professional. You know, you've got the experience at, you Uh know, Australian top division, um, top leagues around the world at this stage. And there was a bit of a hiatus there. Your father passed away Mm. and fell out of love with football a bit there. Mm-hmm. What was that like? And then the coming back to Adelaide City, how has mm-hmm. that sort of been for you, both in a personal and a, and a footballing sense? Yeah. Well, look, my last year in in Indonesia, for example, when I signed for Bali United, and I got a president who told me, I'm going to give you a bonus if you finish top five. I think top five, no champion. Okay. <laughs> Why? And then I saw a Valley United club, new club, that was new. They didn't have this, they didn't have that, da 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 da. And my commitment and challenge at 31 years old, 30, 31, got me to say, yeah, I can help you. So makes me to train with the team. And do extra sessions with teammates with my right back in the stadium to teach him how to move so we could win the following the following game. So I got so obsessed about it that I was actually doing training sessions for my teammates. <laughs> but I said to my teammate, please don't tell the coach, because actually I don't want to be the coach. I just want to win. I want us to win. I want you to do well. So these players, you know, we were, okay, okay, Coach Flores, they could. Okay, Coach Flores, I was 31, I said, no, you coach, I'm your teammate. <laughs> so we were in that, in that environment, I was helping so much and I was doing so much beyond a professional contract mm. a football, as a footballer. 
that I put my soul, mate, I put my soul, that we finish top three. We finished second, actually. With the same points of the first. Marcos Flores, the player manager. <laughs> well, but no one knew that. Yeah, <laughs> I was doing things be- behind doors and I didn't want to get credits. I was actually sending video analysis through WhatsApp to my coach saying, coach, they have a the best player there. So suggestion, we could actually do this. Mm. And, the, and, the, and the coaches were opening. Yeah, they were open because my, my idea was not going there saying, I'm doing a lot of things. Change the strategy. No, yes, yeah. I was actually fixing little details to us to make better. Do you think so, they gave your teammates more attention to detail though? Where they went, you know, as a player, I can do this. They I didn't, don't have to take orders. They didn't can, know what it was yeah. a prehab. Yeah. They never done it. So I was one hour before doing prehab move for my co-power that I learned here in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I took it in my career. So I was doing elastic and they were telling me, what is that? Mm-hmm. I said, mate, let's do a prehab uh, so I can help you. For five players put elastic and I was doing the prehab, running the prehab program to, to the players. So we start winning. That's the crazy thing. They, they, they actually... We start playing, we start winning, 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 and getting into that teamwork thing that I was thinking, wow, that's working. So I was really amazed about it. We finished with 60, 68 points, 72 goals. Yeah. My number nine finished with 34 goals and become the top scorer breaking records from 80s. The right back that I was teaching got a contract in a different club. So. We finished. The management told me, Marcus, look, the coach said that you're an amazing leader, saying that you are this, 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 this. We want you to extend, extend your contract for one more year. That was 2018, December. And I told them, okay, how much you want to pay? And they told me, it's just only $1,000 per month on top of your contract. And I was already low. So I said, no, no, no. Give me, improve my contract, uh, 30%. Value. Yep, yep. 30%. And I actually will stay here. It's not a problem. No, Marcos, that is our final offer. When they said that, I said, okay, thank you very much. I wish you the very best, but I will be back home. That was the best thing that I did in my life. And I want to tell you what. Second thing, second best thing, because the first one was coming to Australia. But because I reject that contract without nothing, I didn't have another option. Mm. I rejected. I come back home and I told my father, Daddy, I don't want to play more for, I, I would not play more for, uh, uh, for Value United. And he told me, why? Finish on top. I'm doing so much, man. I'm doing so much that for the same money, I can actually go to one club and, and, and just play the game and mm. not teaching here. I was doing thousands of things because I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. But sometimes I prefer... It's tiring. It's tiring. Yeah. So, and, and I said, it's not going to be the same, that team. So I need to actually make another move or maybe retire. And he said, why? Because maybe Australians need more than... The NPO club, semi-pro, needs more this type of people willing to be two o'clock at training and finish ten if the under if the under seventeens need help. I'm not, I don't get paid for that. I just I just love that 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 football so much that makes me uh, don't think about time. Mate. So when that thing happened, 
I reject the Bali United, came back home, and I was waiting to make a move to India to experience a different way. So when that thing happened, my father passed away. And my world, everything collapsed. And I stopped, I stopped thinking about football. I stopped thinking about moves. I shut down my phone. Think, don't want it anymore. And I couldn't run, Mary. I was doing things, um, a lot of things to fix all my memories of my father and all the things that my father left behind. And I couldn't run, amigo. They were telling me, Marcos, let's go and play five versus five. And, and I, and I couldn't, mate. And when I went there, I couldn't even pass the ball from, I forgot how to play, mate. So I was thinking, where I want to play professional if I can actually play five versus five. So I decided to put my, to, to pack my things, finish everything, put everything in place of, my, my, with the belongings of my father and I went to Russia because my, my girlfriend's from Russia and I started my rehab in Russia far from everyone I was so zoomed uh, zoom into that thing in that bubble that I forgot the World Cup was there literally I went 9 of May so people was calling me Marcos you're in Russia in Moscow the World Cup is going to be there can you do this can you do that for us and I said, well, well, yeah, man, I can help you. What do you need? Tell us the weather. Tell us this. I was helping some journalists. Mm. Not for money, just for, just because of relationship and whatever. And, and my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, when we were eating dinner, told me, Marcos, would you like to train with the fourth division club in Russia? I said, no, well... Is actually in the neighborhood. Three blocks, you'll go to stadium. Okay? Only to, yeah, yeah, only train. They never accept foreigners because it's not allowed. Mm. You cannot sign foreigners in the fourth division. So, you can apply, but you might be able to train a little bit. So I went. Start training with them. And train once, twice, and then the third time I didn't want to go. So I skipped it. The fourth time, the fourth day, they called me. Are you okay? Why are you, we're missing you? They couldn't even speak English. So they were talking to my girl. My girl was telling me what they wanted. And then slowly, slowly, I got into... One day after training, I saw three kids, Russian kids, playing the car park. And they have two rocks and two t-shirts, and they were playing. Tuck, 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 football. And I told them if I could actually play. So we played with these three kids, maybe they were under 12 or whatever, and I played for 30 minutes, blah, 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 in the carpet, and I loved it. So the next day, I tried to find the, what is the kids know, know about the training. So I met the kids again, and I taught them how to play, how to control better, how to... And the kids were, okay, we're doing the drill in the carpet. And we did it. And then that night I said to my, to my girl, baby, I'm going to fly around the world helping kids in the street. And I said, what? Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to go and approach kids in the street and give that, a kind of, that, that session 
that in Australia cost a lot of money mm. for free to random kids. So why? Because when I, when I was 12 years old, I wanted that thing mm. to happen. The one day, Batistuta came to me and said, hey, use your left foot, buddy. So I went to, I told a friend of mine, my friend loved it. He said, okay, I'm going to go behind you filming everything. And, and I started approaching kids. And I started approaching kids in Greece. Uh, in, in, in Egypt, in Kenya, in Tanzania, in Madagascar, in South Africa, in, in Zanzibar. So I flew from Egypt and yeah. to all the way to Africa, helping South Africa and helping kids. Did that bring your love back to the game completely? Man, I was actually, I was, run before you felt like there was a I was running for seven hours. I couldn't even get tired. So I was doing 70 kilometers by motorcycle. Yeah, in one hour, uh, see a game, five against five, play with the kids 35 minutes and teach them, jump on the bike, do 70 kilos more, see it again, and like this for six hours per day. So actually, I was I was getting nine o'clock at, at, at the hostel and I was dead <laughs> because my adrenaline and the weight to, so I started dropping weight, weight everything. The best preseason training you've ever had. Ever have. So I came. I came here, and, and Michael was gentle with me one year and three months without playing professional or whatever, and I was bussing, you know. <laughs> so that literally, when I was in the middle of Tanzania, in a school with hundred nine kids, hundred ten kids, I was. Uh, I received a call from LA City, and they said to they said to me, Marcos, we want to donate boots for you. So that is really kind, mate. Let me finish this this crazy journey and I will let you know how many boots we need and we start racing. Perfect. And when he was going to Hannah, he said, ah, wait, 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 Marcos, what about playing? I said, no, no, I'm not playing anymore because I want freedom. And he said, we give you a freedom, but you have to play for us. Okay. Um, we help you to come to your country and you become an, an ambassador for Valley City and engage a community community worker and play and do the same thing for Adelaide for Adelaide boys for South Australian kids so I'm doing quite the same thing and at the same time I'm representing one of the most famous clubs in in the history of South Australia which is Adelaide City incredible journey <laughs> that last two years is I don't think I could I could not think off the top of my head of any footballer who has done that. Who has essentially called called their career to go mm. around and travel the world and essentially. And it's so basic. And it's so basic. You know why? Because I started the football like this in the street. Mm. You need to finish how you started it. Mm. Do you feel like Adelaide City is the the finishing point of your career? Is where I started mm. in Australia. <laughs> 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 I started in Australia here, but now I have to finish here, mate. I mean, if a South Australian community accept me, we, we do. It's just, just to if the South, <laughs> South Australian um, um, kids welcome me to 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 help them with with a lot of passion, knowledge, I, I, I will I will live. I, I'm always getting love with the people, not with buildings. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I got cities that I felt awesome. Not just because I scored goals, man. 
meant yesterday when I came back to watch Adelaide United Mel uh, Melbourne City, I was not missing the feel. I was not missing that sensation of flying. Mm. I was not missing the locker rooms. I was not. I didn't cry to see to see a bench, to see the goals. I was missing Travis Dodd. I was man. about to say, what if Travis Dodd walked in the door with his boots on? <laughs> I was missing Travis Dodd. I was missing Sergio Van Dijk. I was missing Casio, Eugene Galekovic, Marone, Conway, Ian Five, Jaminson, uh, Paul Reed, Husey, Panjusuka, uh, Ramsey. Uh, I don't know. I can tell you Daniel Malan. I can tell you every single player, Magbiri Hiri. I can tell you the 30 guys in that squad because that, 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 that was my, my thing, my magical. Is that your thing. first Australian family? Yeah, hundred percent. Then I met quite the same vibes in Central Coast. Yeah, which is the family club. It is yeah. lovely, cute. And at that time as well, they were still a proud club. You know, they'd made a lot of they grand were finals. after they champions. Were, yeah, yeah, were, with Grayan Anu. Yeah. So I, I actually reject a contract in in in. Saudi Saudi Arabia, yeah, I rejected. There was two times bigger than the ones that I that I accepted in China to play for Grayanano, uh, and then Grayanano after four games he left to 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 Japan, and in ten games I done my ACL. Mm. Do I regret and think? Mm, was a bad move, man, because it went to salary cap. Um, 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 you could actually earn a lot of money in Qatar. In a, making my way to to Central Coast Mariners and done my ACL. So I played only three months and then I done my ACL. I was completely gone. Uh, I don't change it because I, the, the things that I learned in in youth development in Central Coast Mariners was insane. Insane. Yeah. Not because they have the best. They don't. But you know what? The coast. The coast have so many small clubs, amateur clubs, they saw me in the tree with one book and recording whatever they were doing. So I was recording a writing notes of Tarago FC. Uh, Wyoming Tigers and I can tell you names and names and names because I was recovering my knee and at the same time checking just development okay. and helping under 6, under 8 under like this through my year to the point that the football community in Central Coast wrote letters to, to keep me in the club and I said no <laughs> guys that's <laughs> I'm your friend. It's like it's like my mom sending letters to everyone. <laughs> but they they were lovely, you know. They really they really they, we really connected. But a I, community I, first club the up community. there, and it totally shows. Well, I guess that that is something that we need to look at. That is something that professional players should be involved with MPL clubs. No, no, no competing. Mm. It's no matter of. Of Adelaide United competing with Adelaide City or competing with Metros or, with, and we shouldn't compete Adelaide City with Adelaide United. We should know that Adelaide United represents South Australia. Yeah. We should know that if we want to see the best, the best level is in that field. 
Yeah. And we should know that working together, we can lift. Working separate? I think it's the hardest problem in Australian football. That's the point. There's just so many people with different agendas. I mean, yeah. are we getting there? I'm not sure, but I'm sure it's better than it has been. Um, yeah, it has improved a lot. has improved a lot, to be honest. At Adelaide City, do you feel like there are players that are sort of, you, know, you see young players in South Australia coming through, and then are you getting a feeling of with the right attention, with the right love and passion, these guys can go far? Yes. Yes. I mean, is there is a, to- is a, is a topic that goes nationally, which is the intensity of the new generation when they do sports. Uh, they flat, they flat. Uh, because they have too many sports, um, just because they got technology, mm, just because so many, because so many so excuses. excuses, that makes me wonder, makes me wonder. So I came here and I watched the juniors of Adelaide City. I watched them playing against Metros. I watched them um, to perform. And we got amazing youth development. We got a good youth development. Now, there is something that go within every human being that attend to the youth development that drives to perform a drill in a really good way or just waste the time. That the coaching, the coaching side have to demand that intensity and the kids who come in with their parents, we need to be sync to actually be able to lift everyone the intensity for a short amount of time, but really challenging. I'm not supporting coaching who abuse kids, mm-hmm. no at all. But I will always support a coach who stimulate and challenge kids. Stimulate a kid to actually do his best. His best. Running from halfway to the goal at his best. Passing the ball 10 times at his best. So how can we do that? Well, you need to sit. You need to organize drills that are with the purpose to put intensity, to, 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 to suck and to drain the energy of the kids and not just only focus, that is how you pass the ball. That's how you stop it. Do it 100 times wrong, but do it 100 times. No. It's better to do it 10 or right then do 100 times do 50%. You, having played at that sort of top level, do you think there is that intensity in, in, in that sort of setup in semi-professional football in Australia or is that one no. area that we can address? We have, we have to address that. Yeah. It's a must. And in, our, in, our, in, our, in my visits to the, youth, to, to the youth development, I'm giving my, my point of view to the coaches little ideas how to, how to lift it. So I'm, 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 I love that. I mean, I mean, it's not a secret. Yeah. It's not a secret to tell the player when you shoot, well, we shoot and you miss the target. You need to run back. Mm. But sometimes to tell the kid, just run back, it's not good enough. Mm. Melvi is saying, you need to run back in three seconds. Mm. And how the kid will know that it's three seconds? Three, two, one. <laughs> is that all right? Well, yes. He's going to push. But now we need to be in the same page. Mm. We need to be everyone in the same page. We need to actually, the parents, to stimulate the kid. Come on, come on, run, run. Instead to say, oh, he's running too much. Mm. Well, but this is football. 
and whoever run the most, yeah. you play. Yeah. Whoever is working harder, you play. So this is sport. Is the sport that I love. It's the game that I love. And I want them to to understand that it's not about what we have. It's not about how many soccer boots you have. It's how much you want it. It's how much intensity and energy you put it. When I was growing up, mate, I was juggling for 2,000 times. Yes, my problem, <laughs> My problem was that I was doing only with one foot. Because I didn't have any youth academy who could talk me, tell, tell me, use your left foot. What could happen if to that little Marcus, someone could tell, hey, use left your foot, left yeah. foot. My first coach told me, I said, don't use your left foot. Just only hit with your right. Never miss a pass. No one will ask you. That was a bad, bad, mm. bad advice. But let me tell you something. Makes me work so much with my right. That when I was playing outside of food, I was not missing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, that's his passion, love, commitment can make those dreams come true, mate. And I feel like that passion, love, and commitment, not that it looks like you're anywhere near slowing down with your football. You're incredible shape, playing in a good league. What do you feel like is going to happen after football for you? Or is it always going to be there, but maybe just in a... You know, are we talking to Coach Marcos Flores? Uh... Melvi, for sure I, I, will, I will end up coaching. I don't know if I want to coach professional, to be honest. Mm. Making more of that community relationship, Melvi, going around the world. Melvi go around the world. Melvi, Melvi presenting some idea of how to, how to reach every single kid in Australia, mate. Mm. I'm not just exclusive. Well, being an Australian football fan, I have a slight feeling that if you managed to improve every Australian footballer, our national team would be so much better. Doesn't depend. Doesn't depend only of of one idea. That depends of how many people I can put to working together. Hmm. And that is a dream, right? That is a dream. There are a lot of coaches we can work together. There are a lot of um, players that want to learn the game we can be in the same page. Not about the drill, about the intensity. To lift every single, and give an opportunity to acknowledge it, to knock the door to every single kid. Are those intensity metrics? Well, they're, they're very much around, I think, also the mental strength of some of these players. And you sort of saying before that people criticise kids for being on their phone, you know, young players coming through, they're on their phone, they're disenfranchised. Do you think there's a different type of management for these kids that you're starting to see based on when you sort of came through? You know, it was a little bit more hard line when you were coming through and this is now a little bit more... Well, a different way to deal with I'm, it? I'm, I'm sitting every day writing, writing a method. A, a method. Um, no, I'm not creating a, anything new. I'm not Pep Guardiola. Eh? I'm not Pep Guardiola. I'm not Mourinho. I just want to think what I could do for this kid to lift his intensity, yeah? I want to have a less excuses possible one day to actually think football is soccer ball and it's, and a little space. That is football. Yeah? So that's why I did my trip in Africa, mate, to show you by videos that with one soccer ball, I coach 109 kids in the prison of Madagascar. 109 kids with one soccer ball 
in one basketball court. Is that possible to teach the methods of Barcelona, blah, 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 blah? No. Is that possible to do the same intensity that the kids in Barcelona put it? Yes. You need to think, buddy. You need to think. You need to actually engage every single factor that you think that is against football with us. So if the, if the kids need to actually put more technology in football, let's put it. Let's not avoid that. Intensity if we need to put more homeworks at home, we need to do it. No one told me go and, and, and do 20 jagos and do this, 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 this. No one told me when I was growing up, but I grew up in a different country. Man. So maybe here we could add, add few few extra works at home and somehow making them to do it. Your season currently? Mm-hmm. At Adelaide City, not the greatest start. Excellent mm-hmm. halfway goal earlier on in the season. <laughs> Thank that you. Lot. Thank you. Um, are you feeling like it's just a second half of the season, get momentum going, or are you, you know, day by day? Yeah. We are actually knowing that we live in a transition in this club. Mm-hmm. Adelaide City has departed his coach, part ways with the coach that has been for more than fifteen years mm-hmm. in the same spot. That important player for LA City Cauta. We brought uh, Michael Matticiani, young coach who really wants to do well, who works really hard and is committed. He's really committed. And we're lucky to have him. And that transition to get used to, to a new idea, always take time. Don't forget that Joseph Gamboa lost a lot of games to actually one day be in the grand final with Amor. Yeah? So, that takes time. Only people who is patient and know how to battle in difficult times will be able to represent our colors for LA City at this stage. Because we need to actually have the under 17 years old committed so when they jump, with the senior teams, they help us and not make them to carry to carry the young kids. The young kids needs to know that they can play with 17 years in our team, with 18, with 16. It's not any policy that uh, rules that said that we cannot play young kids. They need to be ready. Mm. And how they need to be ready, William? Working and lifting the intensity. Because when they come to senior football, it's all about power and intensity. It's not about skills, man. It's about how much you work and how much you committed to win a 50-50. I feel like the players at Adelaide City are going to have their intensity lifted by having you there. <laughs> I There's about a million other things that I want to go through. More personally, you know, didn't cover off a lot of the personal stuff. Um one quick one, I just sort of want to talk to you about, you know, who do you support? Are there any clubs that you support as a, as a football fanatic? You In know, Australia or? Around the world. River Plate. Know? River Plate. No, no crazy. I don't have that anymore. I don't have that, that, how's it? When I play the game, because I play the game and I put so many jerseys, I got to, I got to love and to follow the team that I am. So when Adelaide City plays, man, I'm I'm worried. I, I'm I'm suffering on the sidelines. I'm really suffering 
I really want my team, my team to win every single time. Uh, with me or without me. So right now is, I'm always be like that. I always, uh, I, River Plate, yeah, is, is a team that when I was growing up, I used to idolize players and, um, but it's not, I don't wake up 3 a.m. in the morning to watch if they play or not. I don't do that. I don't do it. I learn from English clubs. I learn from, from coaches. I, I'm obsessed with YouTube. My, 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 my girl wants to kill me <laughs> because I, I really watch trainings, man. Everyone. Is this on the television? Are you like Chromecasting this to the TV? And yeah. It's like, I just want to watch something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Come on. Just put a movie. I said, no, let me watch the warm up in the third division in Russia. How they do it. So I'm, I'm in that. Is, is there, a, is in that case, is there, is, a, is there a manager that you're sort of, I guess, uh, fanatical about at this stage that you think is doing the right things with football in the world that you go, you know what? That's the next progression. Because I think, you know, we had our Mourinho's and stuff that, yeah, you know, probably passed it now, but what's that sort of next crop looking like to you? To actually dedicate all my time possible to to find that details that will make this new development better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm really crazy about it. Mm-hmm. But if that makes me, perhaps makes me a professional coach one day, it's not my goal, but could be. You know what I mean? Never say never. Never say never. Marcus Flores, absolute pleasure talking to you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for putting time aside. I know you don't need to do this, but just hearing you talk about football and your progression in Australia and the rest of the world has been an absolute joy. I hope that your listeners didn't didn't get bored about our conversation, but uh, I love this game as as you do. So I want to thank you for behalf every single NPL player because people like you promote the second division to come through eventually and myself as a city member i want that thing to happen so our, our, our youth development got the chance to represent this club in the second division and have a goal to one day to promote to a league so which is that is something that nationally need to happen for this australian football to be better it will be Hopefully, both while you're on the pitch and off the pitch, in whatever capacity. (laughs) Look forward to seeing you. Thanks so much, Thank you very much, Vin. What an absolute treat that was. I have never met a player who articulates their love, passion, and respect for the game as well as Marcos did. If you like this interview, be sure to share it with your friends. And as always, hit us up, SemiProPoddy, on Twitter and Instagram. We love to hear your thoughts. And until next time, keep being semi-professional. And thank you for listening, too. This special interview on the Semi Pro Potty.